You are Locked On Cardinals, your daily St. Louis Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Cardinals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Lucas Smith at LJ Fastball is my Twitter handle at LO underscore Cardinals. Follow the show on Twitter as well. Well, the Cardinals lost two out of three series, two of the three games at Wrigley Field. They split a doubleheader again yesterday. I'm going to give a quick recap to those two games as well as my quick preview thoughts on the Red Series. Um... But today I have a special treat. Uh, Sean and I recorded, Sean of Locked On Cubs and I report, recorded a live post-game show. And that will I'm going to share that with you guys uh, after I talk about uh, the two games and preview a little bit of the Reds series. Uh, my Reds thoughts are given more in-depth in Locked On Reds with Jeff. So head on over to that. Um, that should be released today as well. It's Thursday, August the 20th. So let's get right to it to give my quick thoughts on the doubleheader. Game one, there's nothing you could have asked for any better than that. Uh, Cardinals are able to jump out to a 4-0 lead with Matt Carpenter hitting a grand slam. I loved that adjustment by the Cardinal offense. Getting the base loaded three times on Tuesday, not scoring. Get an opportunity the very next day. Boom. Carpenter's able to hit one out, 4-0. Offense kind of takes it away the rest of takes, – takes care of it the rest of the way. Um, you know, you had Tommy Eggman have, have – Three hits. He had a great day. Goldschmidt with another RBI single. Um, Edmund actually had two RBIs. Miller had two more RBIs as well. Just a good offensive day for St. Louis. And then their pitching was phenomenal again. Flaherty, I would have liked to see a little bit more from him in terms of length, but again, I get it. It's his first game back, so uh, I understand that. He only went an inning in two-thirds, 41 pitches, walked two, hit a guy. Um, but then Gomber comes in with the bases loaded and gets a strikeout, and then he goes another inning with scoreless. It's kind of funny. You had an inning and two-thirds by Flaherty, and then you had an inning and a third scoreless by Gomber, inning and a third scoreless by Webb, inning and a third scoreless by Gant, inning and a third of Ricardo Sanchez. Gave up two runs on a homer, but the Cubs had one hit going into the seventh inning, which is an incredible job by the Cardinal bullpen. Gomber had to work out of two base-loaded jams because he created one for himself <laughs> after he walked two and hit a guy as well. But Nevertheless, Cardinals were able to kind of cruise, really, to a 9-3 win, and you thought that that would help them in Game 2. Maybe, I mean, I guess the Cardinals just don't like playing at home against at Wrigley Field, which makes total sense, by the way. I get that. Um, but anyways, so, yeah, so Game 2 was, you know, I'll start with the positives here real quick. Um, Johan Oviedo looked really, really sharp that... Um, it was his major league debut, and he looked really good. He had five innings of two-run baseball, walked two, struck out four. Nothing really too big to complain about against Aviedo, except that his two walks were the two runs that he gave up. So, I mean, you take away this, his own two walks, and that's a scoreless outing. So I think that Oviedo looked pretty good. And then Johansson Cabrera looked really good. He had two strikeouts in his inning of two innings of work. Excuse me, his one inning of work. Cardinal offense was held in check by the Cubs' arm. Uh, uh, Azole was was really good as well. He went five innings. He struck out six Cardinals, walked one, gave up an unearned run. That unearned run by was Tyler O'Neill, who scored was got to second base because but, uh, Anthony Rizzo apparently forgot how to catch a baseball. Poor guy. <laughs> um, yeah, so he was able to reach second on that throw. They, they gave the air to 
to, to Bodie, which is ridiculous. That was an error on Rizzo. Um, Schrock gets him over with a ground out. Kisner situational hitting. Hits a fly ball. Gets an RBI and cuts the lead in half. 2-1, to one, you go to the sixth inning then with the, the Cardinal offense. Uh, Carlson works a one-out walk. Good to see that. I think he needs to take a seat. I think he needs a day off. Just, uh, you know, kind of looking, struggling a little bit. He's gotten unlucky. I'll give, I'll give you guys that. He's gotten unlucky, but I, I just think he needs a day off. Goldschmidt then walks. Carpenter hits a fly out. Brad Miller's able to hit a two-out base knock to score Goldschmidt. You would have liked to see O'Neill get another hit, obviously, but uh, Cardinals were able to... To tie the game up, and then in the seventh inning, Andrew Miller comes in, and I, I didn't have a problem with, with Miller coming in. Gives up two hits, strikes out Hayward, and then um, gives up a hit to Horner, so that's it. Gallegos comes in. I'm talking about this in depth for just a moment. Gallegos comes in and gets two strikes on David Bodie. This is all according to MV.com on a 93-mile-an-hour fastball and a 93-mile-an-hour foul tip. Two fastballs, one up with his own, one around the knees. Jane Giovanna Gallegos has one of the best sliders in the game. And if, if you want to argue with me with that, that's fine. You can't tell me he has a bad slider because he has a really good one. He threw an 0-2 fastball, wanted it a little bit more up and a little bit more in, leaked out over the plate just a bit, and it was a two-run base hit. If he has that back, I think he throws a slider. I wish he would have thrown a slider. You'll hear it from me in the live show with Sean in a little, in a little bit. I was literally sitting on my couch going, Slider in the dirt. Slider in the dirt. Slider in the dirt. Didn't happen. Base hit. But then he gets Kipnis, the very next batter, to strike out on what? A slider in the dirt. So I thought that was just not very good pitch calling by Kisner. Uh, and then the Cardinals get a man on in the bottom of the seventh against Kimbrell. The September magic that was against Kimbrell last year was not to happen today. Wong struck out looking on a four-seam fastball at 97 uh, right Pretty much right down the middle, right on the outside corner. Um, so it's just a, a tough game offensively for St. Louis. I would like, I'd like to see some consistency out of the out of the Cardinals, but that obviously is not in the cards, pun intended, this year. So real quick, my thoughts on tomorrow, tonight's game against Cincinnati: seven fifteen first pitch, Wayno versus Sonny Gray. Looking forward to it. Um, I think that the it's going to be a pitching duel. I love what I've seen from Sonny Gray this year: four and one, two point oh five ERA, forty five punch outs. Um, Wainwright with two, stru- two starts this year, 2-0, 1.64 ERA with eight punch outs. So I love Wainwright against the Reds. He's got some pretty good numbers. Um, and then Sonny Gray against the Cardinals has pretty good numbers as well individually. Only two guys have an, has a, have an batting average above 300. Um, that's Edmund and Fowler in three and ten at-bats respectively. Goldschmidt's 0 for 11 against Gray, so that's something to watch out for. Um, I think Carlson takes a seat tomorrow. I think he should, actually. I don't think he will. I think he should, but I don't think he will. And I think that uh, Sonny Gray pitches just a bit better than Wainwright and uh, pitches the Reds to the, to the win in the series opener. You can hear more of my thoughts on the Cardinals series against the Reds on Locked on Reds with Jeff Carr. He is a crossover in his second segment of the show today, has me on and talking a little bit more in depth about what the Cardinals have done in the series against the Reds. So head over to Locked on Reds for that. So, uh, and for, for that reaction, for that uh, preview, I should say. Um, and then before I get to the live show with Sean that we recorded last night, I do want to tell you about Built Bar. The new and improved Built Bar has six new amazing flavors from C- Caramel brownie, cookies and cream, carrot cake, and almond crisp. That goes along with their 12 original flavors from things like coconut almond, raspberry, salted caramel, double chocolate, toffee, almond, and more. If you're a sweet tooth like me, you love the fact that bars are covered 100% in chocolate, and they're soft and easy to chew as well. But even with that chocolate, built bars are still healthy and great for a health-conscious guy. 
Lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, and great for a keto diet. There's a promo code going on right now. You get a free cooler with purchase of Built Bar while supplies last. Go to BuiltBar.com right now, and you can also use the promo code Locked On for $10 off your next order. Use promo code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. What's going on, Lockdown MLB fans? I am Sean Sears. I am the host of the Lockdown Cubs podcast. And joining me is Lucas Smith. He is the host of the Lockdown Cardinals podcast. Lucas, what's going on, man? Well, I was hoping I'd be able to talk about a serious win for St. Louis, but nevertheless, get to talk baseball. So I'm doing good. I'm, I'm happy to be here. How are you doing, Sean? I'm doing good. I'm, I'm a little bit more excited because the Cubs officially picked up the <laughs> series win. Um, I was really nervous, though, because Kimbrell's been, I think as most people in baseball know, pretty rough. Um, yeah. But he looked okay there. Um, overall, though, this series, uh, I can't say either one of these teams really looked fantastic. It felt like both teams just took advantage of each other's mistakes. But for, for you, I know this is the first time you've gotten a really good look at the Cardinals, obviously five games with the Cubs. Um, they've been dealing with, obviously, COVID. What was kind of your take on this series? I guess what are some of the things you were looking forward to coming into and what are some of the things you're worried about coming out? I was really looking forward to Jack Flaherty start today. We, we knew that he wasn't going to start till Wednesday. Um, and I, I was just like looking forward to see how the offense was going to translate after a you know a pretty decent showing at the White Sox, um, and see how they were going to translate into five long games at Chicago. Five games in three days is never easy. Um, and just see how the Cardinals, how Schilt was going to manage his bullpen. And I thought Schilt kind of mismanaged a little bit here and there. I think that you know he left some guys in too long and, and vice versa. And but, you know, coming out of it, I think, you know, 17-day layoff, there's not too much to complain about as a Cardinal fan. The, the pitching, the bullpen was lights out, I think, in the in the series as a whole. And the offense had had some inconsistencies. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, it's 17 days layoff. It's going to take more than five games to get back on your feet. So. Definitely. No, I mean, this is <laughs> – you guys have quite a bit of schedule to obviously make up with the doubleheaders coming right now, obviously, with the Cubs. But, I mean, like, it's just going to be – it's going to be a grind, especially for you guys these next couple of weeks with the Cardinals having to kind of put together the season on a fly in a 60-game season. So I'm sure it'll be interesting. But, yeah, Jack Flaherty, uh, obviously, when he's pitched, I know this is only his second start since opening day. Uh, dude's been lights out. He, you look at his numbers. Uh, I know Cubs fans will probably take a little offense to this. But, uh, I mean, he has been just as dominating as anyone has in baseball. I think even the last year, I don't think I've seen a pitcher dominate quite like that since maybe Jake Arrieta in 2015. Yeah. He's been incredible. Um, obviously, we only got to see him for a couple innings, but uh, what did you see out of Flaherty that you liked? I mean, you saw that the stuff was still there even after the close to three-and-a-half-week layoff. But, I mean, it, he just lost a couple batters uh, to walking too much. And the Cardinals staff as a whole walked too many batters this weekend. Or this week, rather, to really, you know, they, they shot, shot themselves in the foot, I think, a little bit. But, you know, Flair, you knew he wasn't going to go much more than 50 pitches because of the, the three-and-a-half-week layoff. So I think this was almost – literally like a, a bullpen side session for Flaherty, even yeah. though it was a, a real game situation. And I think at the end of the day, you just got to move on with a 50, you know, 45, 50 pitches of what you saw. But yeah. And interesting fact, you bring up Arietta's 2015 season. I was at the last game he lost in that regular season, which was the Cole Hamels no hitter. I was yeah. at that game. So I saw his last <laughs> loss of 2015 and before he went on that remarkable stretch. That's crazy. 
Yeah, it's it's great that a lot of Cubs fans point to that moment in 2015 is like the the time where things really started to change for that Cub team because uh yeah I think getting no hit by Cole Hamels was pretty rough and especially because yeah. I mean obviously Cole Hamels very good but uh was kind of not so great coming in but I think that was also his last start as a Philly too so just a lot of weird things with that start but. Um, yeah, right. And baseball can be weird. We saw that a bunch this week, at least in the series so far. I know Anthony Rizzo, uh, his on-base streak of 32 consecutive games and getting on-base ended in that first part of the no-hitter. But he had two or three balls he just smashed and went straight out – or went straight to – I know I think Dylan Carson made a great play in, I think, center field at that point. A couple good plays on some rockets he hit. But then you look at a guy like Colton Wong who couldn't not get on base this week. I know – God, him and Tommy Edmond seem to give the Cubs a ton of trouble. They're just very pesky hitters, great contact hitters. Um, I guess what did you what what have you liked out of those guys so far? I think one thing I liked about Wong that he really changed from the, the weekend because at the South Side, I think he had one maybe two hits. But you saw mm-hmm. in today's game, both both games today, he went the other way twice. One on a, a double that eluded Forber's grab and, and a couple you know other singles. I think it was three for three or four for four in the, in the first yeah. game today. So they just seem to be hitting the ball all over the place and not not pulling up, not trying to pull it like Wong did early in his career. But I thought the whole weekend for both teams, players were just getting robbed. I mean, you saw Schwarber today hit yeah. the 110-mile-an-hour comebacker that almost took off Oviedo's head. Uh, it's just, uh, left and right, people were hitting hard line drives right at people. Rizzo, you mentioned, he got robbed by Wong in the second game today. So it was just a weird, yeah. unlucky, unlucky series for both offensive teams getting robbed by defensive plays. Yeah, definitely. Uh, it's <laughs> it's baseball, I guess. That's just kind of how it works right. out sometimes. But um, I, I got to say, one thing I was impressed with, and I I was nervous a little bit because the Cubs had coming off a series with the Brewers and their bullpen, uh, not quite as dominant as it used to be, but still just one of the best groups of strikeout type pitchers you can run into. I was worried the Cubs get a little swing happy, but um, I was impressed with the Cardinals bullpen. I, I liked what I saw of a lot of guys, and obviously there's a little bit of shortcomings, you understand that with how much lack of play they've had, but um, I was impressed with some of the arms the Cardinals threw out there. It seemed like they got the job done, especially in that first double header. Yeah, and you look at the types of arms that you're seeing. You got names that you somewhat know. You got the the John Gant Angler and Giovanni Gallegos from so last year, but then you really not know because they're highly tested prospects. The Cardinals in the last five days have had ten or eleven major reviews, seven of which have come from the bullpen. The Cup players. On my side of the street, they just have pain. And, you know, baseball is a sport where I think the more you see the pitcher, the more comfortable you get. And, you know, I think that Oviedo looks really sharp today. You have guys mm-hmm. like Jake as well on the side. Um, Seth Ellis pitched really well. A rookie and was in the game uh, before the second game ended today. The Cardinals, up to the first four games of the series, um, they end 10 runners and not a single one of them score. Um, so that, that shows that the bullpen's coming in and just, you know, getting out of jams. That's their job. They're not a long runs, runs in that they're coming in to get jams and get out. Of it. So I was impressed this week as well. Yeah, I, exactly that. So kind of going through this, these, these first two games, obviously uh, the Cardinals win that first doubleheader from today's game, nine to three. Alec Mills kind of got beat up quickly in that game. Um, he immediately starts that game off. He was up 0-2 against Colton Wong, hits him, he gets on base, he immediately goes into the stretch, three pitches in, just didn't look very comfortable throughout, but then he loads the bases up, and Matt Carpenter, even though he made a good pitch, Carp still put up enough on it to get it out, immediately grand slam the beginning of the inning. How were you feeling right after that hit? You had to feel at least a little excited, right? Oh, I, I, I was super excited at that 
point because that was last night's loss, loading the bases about three times and not mm-hmm. coming out with any runs. So you, you see the Cardinals able to adjust quickly there. Carpenter is one of the best hitters historically ever with, with the bases loaded. He came in with a 492 average, up to 500. He struck it, but I mean, he's just one of those guys, one of my friends joking today said, that's why he's he's playing, is to hit with the bases <laughs> loaded. Because that's how reliable he is. So I was feeling good. Yeah. But I got to give Fred Mills. I think that he was able to hit up on issue, but he was out for the Cubs. And Bullpen was back just as the Cardinals was. And to, for him to get in, into the field, I thought was his grind. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was crazy. That I think a lot of Cubs fans maybe don't appreciate that in the moment because they're just like, oh, get him out of here. This needs to be better. We're losing this game. But it's like this guy was able to go five innings and a, a doubleheader after getting annihilated in the first inning. Like, it's an impressive work. And I think it's a testament to Alec Mills. He's just a guy that th- throughout the season so far has not given up a lot of hard contact. This is the first time he got hit pretty hard. And even still, um, it was kind of more so, it felt like the, he was unraveling a little bit less about necessarily the Cardinals smashing him, but they, they still they still did. Um, but obviously the bats kept showing up throughout that game, that first game. Uh, Cardinals take that pretty easily. The second game, though, was interesting because obviously uh, you've got uh, – the Cardinals first year or a rookie pitcher going up. You've got Edbert Alzale for the Cubs, who's uh, played for the Cubs a little bit, but hasn't really shown up a lot. Uh, Oviedo looks impressive though. He's a guy, even in just five innings in a debut, he, the Cubs probably should take advantage of some moments, but even still to go up five innings, give up just two runs, struck out a decent amount of bats. He's an impressive arm. Yeah. I was, I was really impressed with Oviedo today. I think, it's just, you know, I know the last number of years is who's, who's the next guy up in the bullpen. And Oviedo's got the next guy up. He's another arm that the Cardinals really like to have. Um, you saw it was at the second or third inning when he gave up the box batters. I think it was the second. He was rushing a little bit of stretch. I think, you know, first game managers got to him a little bit. And two, two of the three walks that he had, yeah, two of them, but, you know, once again, Cardinal pitching kind of shooting themselves in the foot. But I thought it was a, you know, the cutoff bounce rate fastball fighter. I really like Ovio and also this year as well. You can Cardinal. Yeah, Alzale is an interesting arm. He's definitely got the stuff. Um, and I, I think a lot of people on Twitter were kind of asking, like, why why isn't he up here now? Um, and um, talking, I, I've talked a decent amount with the iCubs uh, beat writers in Des Moines, and uh, Tommy Birch is one of the writers there. And he's talked a lot about him and, and Colin Ray, two pitchers for the uh, iCubs for a while. And He's always said uh, that Alzale has always had the talent to be uh, you know, one of the better pitchers in baseball. He's obviously got the stuff for it, but it's when his stuff isn't quite right. He doesn't know really how to manage games quite yet to, to work himself out of that. And we saw that a little bit today. He worked himself into some jams and got himself out of it. But, um, you know, young pitchers, I guess. But, gosh, I – I am. I'm very jealous of the Cardinals' group of pitching, especially just like looking at the last like 15 years. It feels like, especially for the Cubs, who have just not been able to develop some top tier pitching. Really, the Cardinals seem to turn out one every other year. Um, uh, I, I I don't know what they're doing, but I would love for them to come give us some of those pitchers because you guys always seem to find some really talented arms. Felt like uh, obviously this series pretty big for both teams. It's always big when the Cardinals and Cubs face off one another. Yeah. You know, the rivalries here and whatnot. But um, 
I I thought it was interesting to see kind of like you know the Cardinals look like a team that, that hadn't played in a little bit, and the Cubs looked exactly like a team that was frustrated offensively because they, they have been after being one of the top teams in baseball in terms of scoring runs. But um, it feels like every time these two face off with each other, it doesn't matter what the score is or what the record is, they always seem to play each other well. Um, and I drives me insane, especially when the Cubs are really good and the Cardinals might be scuffling a little bit. We'll always seem to lose two or three or three or four in a series. But um, I don't know. I, I, I always enjoy these series. I don't know about you. What are um, Do you have any, I guess, favorite Cardinal moment, Cardinal Cub series moments? Well, one of my favorite ones happened last September uh, when the Cardinals <laughs> swept and <laughs> comes at Wrigley Field. I had to bring it up. Uh, Dan McLaughlin, play-by-play for the uh, Cardinals, called it the Wrigley Field Massacre. Love that title. Um <laughs> But no, my, my uh, twin brother actually is a Cub fan. So we've had some oh. good moments over the years. Uh, one of my favorite ones, I used to keep score, like a you know paper scorebook while watching sure. the game. And in 2011, when Albert hit back-to-back home runs, I was keeping score for, or back-to-back walk-off home runs on different days uh, yeah. against the Cub. I was keeping score at that game or you know watching those games. And that, that's one of my top ones there because I just, I just love Albert. Um, but yeah, that and, well, and Carpenter last year. But yeah, God. what about you? You got any favorite ones? I, so... There's there's a lot of really bad Cardinal memories I have last year especially <laughs> that that weekend I just couldn't believe that Saturday game where the Cubs had like just been awful throughout this game somehow come back and score like three runs and are now up two runs Kimbrell comes in and immediately first two pitches he throws are gone and I was just like we we are yeah. not good <laughs> we are not good <laughs> at baseball that's what I've confirmed here but um, if I had to remember a specific Cardinal moment. Um, it's got to be the Cubs clinching uh, the playoffs and the division. I think it was back in 2018 or 20, no, it was 2017. Uh, mm-hmm. After they won the World Series, they they clinched in St. Louis. And that was pretty cool, even though like it, <laughs> the game itself didn't matter. It was just kind of cool to, to win it in St. Louis. So that, that oh, was absolutely. a pretty cool memory. Um, and there's a lot of memories I have of Albert Pujols just annihilating the Cubs. Uh, oh my goodness! Yeah, those go those go back pretty far. I remember he, he always hit Dempster pretty well. I always liked yes. when he and Oh my god, Dempster had Lily. He hit Serrano. Yeah. It didn't matter who. He, yeah, he always seemed to like. I don't know how, but the Cubs would always face off with him. And like Bob Howery was a reliever for the Cubs for a while, and he was batting like I think like literally five hundred against him. Like, what are we? <laughs> what are we doing here? But um, <laughs> uh, obviously that you know. Big series. The NL Central itself this year is still kind of open for discussion. I know oh, the absolutely. Brewers are starting to get into the mix of things. The Cardinals have been in second place despite not really playing <laughs> any games in a while. But um, I guess now we've got a better idea of what some of these teams are looking like. The Brewers, the Reds, the Cubs, and Cardinals. Um, I guess what's your take on this division? Do you see things kind of leveling out here, or do you see a team taking advantage of one another? I mean, going into this season, I think the only team that didn't have a shot whatsoever was Pittsburgh. Right. That's proven to be true. I was shocked at the poor start that Cincinnati had, and the Cubs really had an, a, an exceptional start. I mean, they're kind of scuffling a little bit here of late, but I just think that for the Cubs to be as good as they are, with as bad as their bullpen's been, with as much as Baez and Contreras are struggling, <laughs> yeah. that scares me. Because what Baez have two hits on this in this series, three hits maybe. I think yeah. he came in one for twenty-two. So I mean, if yes. he's if he's mediocre this series, the Cubs sweep. If Contreras is mediocre this series, the Cubs sweep. I don't think there's a question about that. So I think if the Cubs can get Baez and Contreras going, I just don't see the Cardinals or Brewers being able to catch up because 
Cardinals, as you know, much pitting depth as we talked about, they just don't have the offense that Chicago has. I don't, I don't know right. what you think, but I just don't think that anybody can catch Chicago if Baez gets going. Yeah, that's really the thing. It, it feels like the the rest of the lineup has kind of held it together for a little bit while guys like Baez and, and Contreras and uh, obviously Chris Bryant's been hurt a little bit too. So th- those three guys not hitting has is, is been rough. But then you yeah. have guys like, like like Jason Kipnis. I think he's got like a weighted runs creation of like 167 on the season. Yeah. Just like bonkers numbers, like numbers that won't be sustained. But yeah. um, it's been helping at least to sustain while like guys like, you know, I think Baez, like you said, he came in for like one for 22. I think he's now three for 29 or something. He's probably a little bit more than that now. But yeah, yeah just a rough, rough stretch. And you could see it in his face. He's really frustrated. Yeah. But in terms of this division, if, if the Cubs can get their offense, get early some of their better players going more consistently, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the Cardinals have a really pesky offense a lot, especially with Edmund and, and uh, Wong at the top. And then you've got Goldschmidt and then immediately Matt Carpenter, both the RBI machines. Dexter Fowler has been very good for the Cardinals. He's still bat- – I think he's batting over 300. Yeah. He's a this guy. Year. Yeah, this, right, this year caveat uh it's been rough <laughs> i i i love dexter fowler He'll always been one of my favorite cubs yeah. but when i saw him get that money from st louis i was like good for him but man i don't know why they gave him that much yeah i've always loved dexter as a person i just right. i just think he's, he's had just a couple of statistically awful years like there's no if ands or buts about it but you, you know i agree he's been doing well this year for sure yeah, no, there's definitely, I mean, you guys definitely have some bats, but uh, looking at, I think we're all kind of surprised Cincinnati hasn't done better, especially with their, their rotation is incredible. And Nick Castellanos was off to such a hot start after oh maybe goodness. like a slow two games. <laughs> right. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's incredible. Obviously, Eugenio Suarez is great too. And that I red love lineup. Him. Yeah. Gino's cool. Uh, yeah. You should talk. Jeff, Jeff Carr will tell you so many cool Gino stories. Uh, <laughs> you have to have him on your show sometime. Uh, the lock on Red Toast. But yeah. Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, this division is wide open, I think. Even the Brewers, who, like, uh, even just facing them, like, they took three or four from the Cubs, and yeah. the, no reason to other than the Cubs going down. But the Brewers have pitching in their bullpen, at least, and they've got bats that step up. So, I mean, this this division is so weird because, you know, like, I, I mean, no one's, I don't think anyone's going to run away with it. And the Cubs, to had, who had such a massive lead, I, I just knew they were going to find a way to – <laughs> to not continue to do that. But um, looking through, I guess, the the upcoming weeks here for the Cardinals, I guess what are some of the things you're hoping to see improvement with after this uh, so-so series with the Cubs? Yeah, I'd like to see improvement on situational hitting. I thought they did a great job of it in the second game today. Yeah. Uh, Kisner had the sacrifice fly to get them within one. Miller had a great at-bat to get with the opposite field hit there. Um, but in, in, in yesterday's game, the only nine-inning game, um, they were two for nine with runners in scoring position. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Bases loaded three times, and they didn't score. One of them with nobody out, which is just beyond mind-boggling to me how that happens as, right. as a major league offense. Um, but just little things, situational hitting. And part of that is you know not playing in 17 days. I'm not making excuses because it's the Cardinals' fault or you know whatever. But I just think that you know situational hitting can get a little bit better. And I'm, I'm really pumped for whenever we can get these starters stretched out to go regular five, six, seven right. innings. The, that bullpen is going to be lights out because you can call on, on anybody. Um but with the Cubs, with their bullpen, it seems like it's been getting better over the last couple of weeks, or last couple of days. Am I crazy in saying that? It feels like they've gotten better. No, they they definitely have actually. They're uh, I think they're a top ten group actually from August on. Um, yeah. Since that rough start in July, where they had like just a comically ridiculous ERA, <laughs> like nine or something like that, just yeah. insane. But. Um, it was it was even crazier though too. Is like despite them being so bad, they hadn't been charged with a loss yet um, yeah. up until I think maybe this week with the Brewers. But um, 
yeah, it's gotten a lot better. It, Ross is definitely kind of playing around with guys. Uh, Ryan Tapira has been really impressive. He, I think he's got 14 strikeouts leading the way in the bullpen. Jeff, Jeremy Jeffers is left to give yet to give up a. I mean, I guess he did technically today give up a run, but um, before that he had a, a, a triple zero ERA. So the the bullpen's figuring things out. Kimbrel looked a lot better today. Oh yeah. Um, and his stuff has gotten better throughout his starts. I'm hoping he's figuring things out. I know beginning of the season, they really wanted him to try and throw his changeup just to get a third pitch in the mix. But it felt like his changeup grip was messing with his fastball grip. And I think just yeah. having that third pitch was just too much for him. So they said, you know what? You've got a lot going on. Get, figure out your fastball, figure out your knuckleball. And hopefully that goes from there. And it seems like simplifying things for him has kind of helped him get into a better spot. I still don't know if I want him as my closer quite yet. I think I need to see some more um, outings and I'm sure David Ross feels the same way, but yeah, this, this bullpen is surprisingly coming together. They found some arms and hopefully they can find a lefty reliever. Kyle Ryan's been pretty rough. He's still a guy that'll probably be on this roster for, for, you know, the rest of the season and so on and so forth, but he's had a rough start to the season. It's another lefty reliever, but even taking a look at, I know it's probably still a little too early and tough to really get an idea of what, the landscape's going to look like, but the trade deadline, is there any, I mean, I don't think there's any names you can really throw out there because who knows who's available, but is there, if there was like one piece you were looking for, I guess, what's that mold of the guy you think the Cardinals are missing? See, that's interesting for the Cardinals because, you know, they, they've only played like 13 games at this point. Right. Um, so I think like if you're looking for somebody, my mind immediately jumps to an outfield bat, but also I, you know, I want to give Carlson a little bit more time to really get his feet wet in the major leagues. I think the Cardinals have plenty of arms to get them through, um, especially with how often they're – I feel like after every game, after every inning, there's a roster transaction yeah. um, for the Cardinals. But I just – I don't really know if – I don't think the Cardinals make any moves at the deadline. I really don't um, just because of the the lack of games. And even if they did play regular season, you know, you, you never know how things are going to look out. But I think Mosellock is pretty content with the team he has in the field. Um, yeah. Whether that's a correct assumption of the team is up for debate, I think. But I think he's pretty content. I don't think he's making any moves. Um, I'm guessing you're going to look for a bullpen piece if you could. I could be wrong, but I, that's I, what my, yeah. my guess would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're, we're definitely going to try and probably find a lefty reliever if it's possible. Um, the name I've like kind of floated out there on the podcast last couple of days is Tony Watson. Okay. He's, a, he's a guy that was with the Cubs for a little bit too, but he's not necessarily great. I think he's 35. He's someone the team would probably be okay with moving on from, but – Right. You just never know because, like, just right now, conceivably, every team but, like, the Red Sox maybe right now could still have a real shot at <laughs> making uh, making that second playoff spot. So it's tough to figure out what, what, what the world's going to look like in terms of trades and yeah. with everything going on in COVID. I, I can't see too many teams going out and spending a lot of money. So I, I think no. it'll be a lot of this guy got de- designated for assignment, so they're picking him up here sort of thing. But Sure, yeah. And just with, you know, you, you saw, the you know, the Reds get COVID last week as well. So I just think that – you know, people are kind of okay. The Cardinals and Marlins have calmed down, but the COVID thing can happen to anybody. I mean, right. so I just think that teams are still in an, an uncertain, thing, uncertain, unwater territories of that. Um, but before we uh, wrap it up or here, or whatever, um, I just mm-hmm. want to get your take on Giovanni Gallegos in, in that seventh inning. He comes in with one hindsight's twenty twenty. I was talking, we were talking off here before we started. He gets two strike on two strike on David Bodie. He's one of the more clutch players in the game, and mm-hmm. I was literally sitting on my couch myself literally slider in the dirt slider in the dirt slider in the dirt throws them a fastball and Bodie makes him pay what do you think of that situation 
I, I, I like if you're David Bode, you have to be praying, just praying for a fastball there because like that guy's sliders would just wipe out crazy good. And so I, I understand maybe not wanting to go with it if he was like worried about control issues. Base is loaded. You obviously don't want to let the run in on a pass ball, but you also don't want to serve up David Bode a fastball yeah. again, especially after you threw it <laughs> twice. So I, I didn't understand it. That being said, it was it, like had he located that pitch maybe a little bit higher or more inside. It's, he, he probably breaks his bat. He fouls the ball. It's fine. But Bodie was able to muscle it out there. And like you said, he's a guy that, I mean, just a couple of days ago hit a three-run shot when the Cubs had no business winning that game. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he just does things like that, which is great. David Bodie is such a weird guy, though, because he – not in the, he's a really nice person, but uh, he's such a weird <laughs> player um, because he, he always seems to do these these crazy extravagant things and these big moments like hitting that home run against the Nationals we talked about a couple of years ago or making some insane play in the field where, like, you're just like, I didn't know David Bodie could make a play like that. But then he has like a routine double play that he'll kick over. Like he just doesn't put his glove down for enough and charges the ball and misses it. And it's just kind of those little things that it doesn't quite work out. But then these insane plays where he just, you know, <laughs> rips an RBI single on an 0-2 count. Like it's yeah. just very David Bodie. But yeah, I, I could not for the life of me figure out why Gallegos did not try and go with at least a breaking ball changeup. I don't know. Like, I mean, you've got right. one of the best sliders in baseball. Why are you not throwing that pitch? So. Oh, absolutely. And, and you mentioned, you know, if he happens to get that fastball by, then you go slider. But, I mean, why wait? I mean, yeah. slider's your, your best pitch there. And then, yeah, I, I just didn't understand it. Espe- yeah, and especially because you, you've thrown it twice already and you're up 0-2. Exactly. I, yeah. I get, you know, I don't know. He must have been really confident in the pitch. I guess, I, you know. I guess uh, one last question for you before I let you go. Have you noticed? Um, have you noticed any differences behind the plate without Yadi or Molina? Have uh, has there been any kind of like, ooh, if Yadi was there, that that would have been a play he made, or like you know something like that. I'll tell you, if Yadi's behind the plate, he probably calls for a slider. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, no disrespect to Kisner, I, lo- I love what Kisner's doing, but no, not, I mean not really anything like that jumps out at me. I mean, I think other than. Pitch calling and pitch framing. I think that Kisner could work on because Kisner threw two guys out yesterday, the game yeah. before, whenever that was. He made it look good. Um, framing, I think Kisner has doesn't have the softest hands back there. Um, but I, I, other than that, I think Kisner's done a nice job. And same thing with Weeders behind the plate. But um, speaking of, of pitch framing, just real quick, I think what mm-hmm. Garantini and Contreras do as pitch framers, where they you know, bring the ball right back to the middle of the zone. Yeah. It's such little league. And I think it's yeah. annoying that it works. I, I just, I just, I don't know. Maybe that's just I, being mad at a cub player. But no, no, I like, and, and Caratini does it more than I think anyone I've seen in a while, yeah. but yeah, some of that, and especially it doesn't help now too, that they've got the zone and on all broadcasts. So you just like right. see like how far that ball is out and how quickly <laughs> it's like, he didn't throw, that's not in the middle of the play. Like, come on. No. But yeah. He, uh, I, I will give Wilson credit. He was one of the worst framing catchers in baseball just two years ago. Um, so for him to even become close to league average is really impressive. But yeah, yeah Vic, Vic Carantini, it feels like when like someone would catch a ball on the outside and hold the glove like this instead of like holding it down, it's like, <laughs> right. like what's going on? But yeah, it's, it's not even the fact that they do it, but it's just the fact that it works is really what, what right. the part is. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it makes you it makes you really want robot umps. But <laughs> right, oh, the umpire today in the second game i thought he was so inconsistent too i thought he was bad uh, and yeah, i'm an umpire I mean, myself so i try not to get on, on him too much but i just thought that he, he had some questionable strikes for sure yeah there was both on both sides too definitely oh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. 
But yeah, well, Lucas, it was awesome jumping you on. If you guys have not checked out Lucas, you can follow him on Twitter at LJ Fastball. And make sure you're checking out Lockdown Cardinals on Twitter at Lockdown Cardinals Daily Podcast with Lucas. Uh, I am, of course, Sean Sears. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean Sears. It's at the bottom of our screen. I don't know why I'm telling you these things. But uh, <laughs> you can find Lockdown Cubs on Twitter at Lockdown Cubs. But uh, any parting shots you want to throw out here, Lucas, before we wrap up? Well, I just think it was a lot of baseball to talk about. I enjoyed talking with you. I appreciate it. Uh, hopefully yeah. we can do live shows more often. And I just think we're in with, with how quickly this division can change with, with Cardinals playing two games in a row or on certain days. I think we're in for an exciting finish to the 2020 season. And it'll be interesting to see if the Cardinals only get 58 games in as to how they do the playoffs. That's a fascinating point. Hopefully we don't have to deal with it, but I'm thinking we will. But other than that, I enjoyed talking with you. It was a good good time. Yeah, thanks, Lucas. It was a fun time. We'll have to we'll have to we'll set up another time to do this once the Cubs and Cardinals face off once again. <laughs> Absolutely. For uh, sure. 